0: Hello and welcome to Quick Looks from the Long View. This episode is episode number 16. It's being recorded on May the 3rd, 2016. And so uh, today we are here as always with my co-host for Quick Looks, uh, Lloyd Keller. Lloyd, uh, would you like to say hello this week um, as a teacher with 19 and a half days left of school? Absolutely. And
1: really it's now down to 18 and a half days, but nobody's counting on this side. So, hello, and
0: please go home now,
2: yeah. because
1: I, I, I'm kind of tired of you, and that's you're right. really just annoying me at this point. At this point, yes. And, Your yeah, dialogue and,
0: becomes tedious. It becomes
1: very tedious, <laughs> and, and I just don't want to hear you have to play recorder again for that's me. That's right, so. that's
0: right. Now is the time on Spockets for me dance. Um, yeah, yeah. Except hello. I still have a concert in
1: another Goodbye. week, so I'm not quite done yet,
0: but I'm almost Bye bye. bye Oh, bye bye now. Okay, yeah. My
1: mental level is like, here! Not here,
0: not but here. here! It's here, it's here. It's here. No, <laughs> I don't know
1: where and mine that, is. And that visual will be lost on everybody. Exactly, awesome. exactly.
0: There was a lot of raising and lowering of a hand. It's <laughs> really what that involved. <laughs> but for me, yeah. If I was saying hello as a teacher with 19 and a half, I think you're wrong, dude. It's 19 and a half, because I don't... I don't count my chickens before they hatched. So tomorrow will be 18 and a half, but today was 19 and a half. You see what I'm saying? Today is not done yet. It's not in the books. Yeah, but the school day is. Yeah, but it's <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. So I'm tired. But you know what's not tired? Two brand spanking new games that we're going to talk about this week, Lloyd. How's that for a segue? You like that? That was a
1: great segue. That was a
0: good one. Also, with the power of editing. <laughs> <laughs> There's all kinds of that's stuff that's so much an out on there. the spot segue, right. but more, of a, ooh, more let's of a do that again. Let's do, this. Let's do that again, a do over. Um, so, the two new titles we're going to be talking about this week the first one is courtesy of uh, ADC Blackfire. Uh, and that title is West of Africa, designed by Martin Schlegel. So we're going to be taking a look at that. And then the second title we're going to be looking at is the second edition of City of Iron by Ryan LeCout uh, and Red Raven Games. And so uh, these are two games that uh, we've actually played quite a bit and are finally ready to kind of talk about and review and share our thoughts. So without any further ado, it's on to West of Africa. <music> So the first one we're going to take a look at today is the aforementioned West of Africa. This is a game that was uh, sent for review. Um by ADC Blackfire uh, ADC for those uh, who aren't familiar is kind of like a division it's it's like kind of like a sister company of Spielworks and uh, Spielworks is of course been making quite the splash recently with games uh, that they have been releasing um, ADC put out like Craft Wagon which I think we talked about a while back um, but like Spielworks puts out games like Colonialism and they put out uh, Arkwright was you know one of their biggest heaviest games um, and they actually I don't even think I I told you this, Lloyd, they are going to be putting out sands of time do you remember that game that we play tested by Jeff Warrender like ages, like years ago, like three years ago? We worked with Jeff on that game. Do you remember that? I
1: vaguely. It was remember the one with like that.
0: the they were kind of like achievements, but they were like chronicles, and you had to like and, and it had like a circular map of the world. Do you remember that one? I, I only yeah, remember yeah, that yeah. I barely. We did that like years ago. Well, apparently that's going to be a new title from Spielwerk, so that was kind of fun what? and exciting to hear about. So, um, th- these are companies that are kind of putting out a lot of intriguing titles and. And Blackfire is kind of like I think a little bit of a more sort of a mainstream kind of a game line, if I'm understanding things correctly. Spiel works is that like heavy, heavy, you know, gamer games. You know, the 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 real brain burny hours, like Arkwright. Yes, even the name Arkwright. Arkwright. Yes, sounds like something that like Conan would say. You know, (laughs) when you play Arkwright, hear the lamentations of the women. (laughs) I mean, because it's a beast of a game. Put them to work in the cotton mill. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) Uli will never send us another game. (laughs) But anyway, no, I mean, but those are like the heavy, heavy games, right? And then you have these kind of like, a little bit friendlier, like easier, they're still challenging, they're still good strategy games, but... They tend to be on the uh, shorter time frame side, a um, little bit uh, less dense when it comes to mechanics and things of that nature. So um, this is a game called West of Africa, and basically what it is is each of the players, that plays from 2 to 5, is going to represent, uh, you know, I, I guess like a business owner, and, and you have uh, some workers, you have a ship... And you are basically trying to kind of uh, grow crops, harvest these crops. These could be things like sugarcane, things like that. You're trying to grow your crops, harvest your crops, and then uh, take them to different markets on different islands. And these represent the Canary Islands, um, this whole kind of like chain of islands that are off the west of Africa that for a while were kind of like a bustling sort of a, a stop Uh, during the age of exploration but then kind of got bypassed for a while and people kind of forgot about them and then now they kind of have uh, come back um, as the trade routes have kind of shifted again, and it's discovered that, you know, some things can grow there, you know, it's it's a good climate for certain types of uh, products. So you're kind of growing these crops, you're harvesting them, you're shipping them perhaps to markets on other islands in the chain, and you're also kind of building up sort of trading posts is kind of the way I, I look at it. They're like little houses like you would see in so many other, you know, Euro games, these kind of like nice little wooden houses, and so you're trying to put out your trading posts and build them up but really at its heart it's it's quite the race game I would say would you agree with that yeah because
1: you've got two different tracks on the board where one you're tracking your money and the other one you're tracking victory points and as soon as someone reaches I think it's 25 victory points that signals the last round of right right so yeah there is kind of a race going on not just with these two tracks but also with the fact that a lot of times uh, you're trying to get to an island before somebody else does. Yes. Because you want to be able to put a trading post down before them. Right. Or you want to get the last couple of produce spots or something like that.
0: Right, right. And, you know, this is very important because the another thing that makes it feel like a racing game is that the cost to build these trading posts on these islands is varied. Mm-hmm. So, The sort of like early spots, the prime spots maybe, if you want to think of it that way, might only cost you like what is it, eight or nine dollars? I think it's only six actually. Are there some for six? Okay, all right. So it could be as low as six, right? And then the highest ones I think are like twelve, right? Right. So getting in early is good because you're going to be able to put out your trading posts. Um, and get the kind of cheap real estate before all that's left is the really expensive locations, right? And and so that makes it feel like a race a little bit too. Um, However, you can only build your trading posts where you kind of are sort of in the position of power. Like you're like the mayor of that island. And the only way to become mayor of that island is kind of have the most influence on that island. And so there's a little bit of an area control thing going on here too. Because your influence is going to be measured by your workers, okay, who are kind of worth like two influence points apiece, Mm -hmm. your ship, which is worth a couple of influence points, and then you also have any goods that you have either made on that island and produced – or goods that you have stored in the warehouse of that island. Maybe you're going to sell them there, maybe you're not. Maybe you're going to transform somewhere else. But it's kind of like wherever you're most present, wherever you kind of have the largest presence, you kind of are sort of like the bigwig of that island at that particular point in time in the game, and that gives you the right to build there, whereas nobody else would have that right. So uh, on your turn, you're basically... Um, going to be choosing a set of cards. And this is really kind of an interesting part of the game and probably one of my favorite parts, wouldn't you say, Oh, Lloyd? definitely, yeah. Um, because you're going to be choosing a set of cards that are going to represent the actions that you want to take. And so the cards are either going to show you islands and they're going to have like the picture and the name of the island or they're going to show you an action. And what you're kind of doing is you're kind of pairing the actions with the island. So you can put out a produce goods card And two different island cards. And that means you are then eligible to produce goods on those two islands. You could also put out um, a card that will then um, maybe move your ship. Or maybe move colonists, your workers, right? And those workers will give you a discount... When you're producing goods, because normally it costs money to kind of produce these goods Mm -hmm. and farm them and raise them and all that, right? Well, the workers will make things cheaper, right? Um, So you might put out that card. And so you have to kind of decide, like, what's the order I'm going to do these things in? So first I might move my colonists so that when I produce the goods, I get a discount on the production of those goods. And I can use that production card to actually produce on two different islands, which is kind of nice. And so there's kind of like a little bit of a, um, a, a also a little bit of like a, almost a, a press your luck kind of element in this, because if you are kind of on that island and you're putting out the same cards that I am, then turn order becomes super important because you might be able to kind of fill up all of the production slots. Each of the islands has a certain number of production slots, which are scaled for the number of players, which is quite nice. And so you might actually be able to produce on that island long before I do. And there might be nothing left when it comes my turn, right? So you have to kind of like try to really carefully plan, and you have to think about like where are other people on the board? What do I think they're going to be doing? Because if I'm not careful... I might lose out on taking an action because someone gets to it before me. And that could be the building of the houses, uh, the trading posts. Um, That could be the um, production of goods. Um, And and the way that's going to work is based on this cool initiative system. So every card you play has a value on it. And all the cards that you play, you're going to sum the value. And that's your initiative number. And whoever has the lowest initiative number gets to go first. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of take it from there. So this is the way in which you can kind of get boxed out. So I might play that production card and those two island cards fully expecting that I might be blocked from one of them. It's not that I so much think I'm going to produce in both. It's that I'm fully anticipating getting stuck somewhere. And so to play it safe, I'm going to have to play that second card. But playing that second card has another value printed on it, which makes me go later in turn order, right? So there's all kinds of really interesting decisions to be made based on this initiative system. Once everybody has kind of revealed their cards, and you can play, I think it's up to four cards, you can play a fifth if you want, but you have to pay for it. Yeah. And then, of course, playing a fifth card <clears throat> usually means your initiative number is even higher. So you're going right. to be going even you're almost guaranteed to go last if you play five cards. And then there's this other cool card that you can play as the minus four card. <laughs> And that's all that it does. It's just a card that is minus four to your initiative. So if there's a turn where you absolutely, positively feel you must go first. You can play that minus four card. And that will probably, unless everybody else does it, guarantee you perhaps for that round that you're planning for, it will allow you to go first. But then that card passes to the person on your left. To the person on your left. And so they end up accumulating these minus four cards, which is a really interesting mechanism too. So – Everybody kind of plans out their actions simultaneously, which is nice because the game moves. And then everybody will reveal their cards. Everybody will find out the initiative for the turn order. And then the player is going to execute their actions. And so it leads to a really, really interesting and kind of dynamic game where um, movement is difficult. Um, You only have a limited number of colonists. You only have one ship. Everything is tight. Um, timing is crucial mm-hmm. if you kind of get shut out of a round or you know two half rounds you know by by having actions negated due to other people 's play you 're probably going to lose so every decision is like really really important, and yet the game plays very quickly unless you 're playing with people who like are heavy analysis paralysis kind like who are going to just sit there and study the board chances are this game's going to be over very quickly. Like, I think for us, it's been like, what, 45 minutes? Yeah, I was going mean, to say
1: three quarters of an yeah, hour. I
0: mean, it really just kind of pleasant and fast, but with a lot of kind of brain burn to it as you're trying to predict where people go.
1: And that was even with four players.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You
1: and I can do a two-player game in probably like 25 minutes. Yeah,
0: yeah. And we knock it out, yeah. And so it, it's really kind of got that going for it, which is kind of nifty. And it also has a neat little bumping mechanism, Whereby, like, if I move into a harbor that is occupied by another player's ship, there's only so many slips available at each harbor. There's only so many spots available. And so if a harbor is full, I'm allowed to go to that island. But if I go to that island, I'm going to bump a player's ship from their slip at the wharf to a totally different slip on the next island. And so that can be really cool from the sort of area control portion of the game like you can really hose somebody like it's kind of a mean game it can
1: be because when you do what you just explained that's like a four point swing in influence Mm -hmm. because they're losing two and you're gaining two and yeah that can be really important
0: yeah so i mean it's got a, a lot of tried and true mechanisms like it's got the area control it's got the racing aspect it's got the initiative it's got that sort of um The the sort of benefit-cost kind of calculations, you know, the cards that are really useful for you, like selling goods, have a high initiative number on them. Mm -hmm. You know, the best islands have a high initiative number. You know, so there's that kind of um, expectation that, okay, these actions are probably going – to be costly in terms of turn order and then how does that inform my decisions and so there's really a lot of neat kinds of um, things to consider and think about and yet the game is relatively simple and straightforward there's nothing like super revolutionary here in terms of like new or novel mechanisms or concepts it's like okay you make stuff you store the stuff you ship the stuff you sell the stuff you build the houses you win like i mean it's it's very very simple but I, in this case, I don't really mean that in a derogatory fashion. I mean that it's simple in that it's clean and it's pretty clear mm-hmm. what it is you're trying to do. That's not where the fun in the game is. The fun in the game is in the hand management of those cards and trying to figure out, anticipate what your opponents are doing, figure out what's best for you, and then execute your plan. Um, those are kind of like my sort of opinions about like where I think this game kind of shines. What would you say, Lloyd? This has quickly become one of my favorite
1: economic games and I'm not a big economic game type no, of person. No. But I like you this You rage court. quit
0: Indonesia. I, I totally
1: I did rage quit <laughs> Indonesia. And it's because I was kind of blocked out of everything at one point and I remember just Sitting there and I crossed my arms and I leaned back you, you would just, and I just let you guys you play the rest pouting. of the game. I
0: know. Every I know. time
1: it was my turn, I'm like, I pass. I pass. And that was you it. Didn't like care. that was the rest of my there game. There's nothing you could do. Two hours later I'm like, okay, do. who won? Who won? was? Wasn't me. <laughs> but no, so West of uh Africa. West of Africa, I've really enjoyed this game because All the reasons you've said, I mean, it it is very clean. I I, I think there's kind of an elegance in the way these cards work because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when you're trying to plan out and decide what you're going to do, the more actions you decide to take, the better your chances of ending up in last position. And I've played games of this where I've only done maybe one thing for my whole turn to ensure that I could go first. I've played games of this where I've said, I don't really care. I'm going to spend the extra money and play five cards. And I've done that multiple times throughout the game, and it's helped me to win the game because on my turn then, I'm getting to do a lot more than, you know, the other people. And that might not be a big deal, but if it gives me enough money that then that next round, like you said, I can just... Go to an island where I'm the governor, and now I've made all my money by Mm -hmm. taking all these extra actions. Well, now I can build three or four of those trading posts all at once.
0: And that's another interesting point too, isn't it, is the fact that the trading posts are limited per round. Yes. And so you're sparking my memory there from the last time we played this because there's only so many trading posts that are put out per round depending on the number of players. And so I might have myself completely set up. I'm the governor of the island. Mm -hmm. i have plenty of money i am ready to build my there's available real estate um and i'm like all set but the problem is is that both you and joanna or you and carter were before me in turn order and you guys built and one of you built like three the other built two and all of a sudden i'm looking at the board i'm like wait a minute all the trading houses are gone So I just did all this planning and figured out all this kind of cool stuff I was going to get to do, and I got totally hosed because I just didn't calculate it correctly. I didn't really look at what it was you were doing. And this is one of the things that's kind of cool about this game is that you really do have to keep a close eye on what everybody else is doing and what do I think they're going for, what are their goals, because otherwise... You will have those moments where you get totally hosed. Or you will spend so much time trying to anticipate what your opponent is doing. You know, clearly I cannot choose the cup in front of me, right? <laughs> and so you'll play that whole game, right? Like just right out of the Princess Bride. And you'll, like, outthink yourself. Like, I've done that on yeah. several occasions where I like, totally outthink myself. And I'm like, ha-ha, I figured out how I can do this. And I get my cards, and then I, I flip them over. I'm like, wait a minute. I can't build a trading post on that island. I'm not the governor of there. I'm like, wait a minute. How did I do that? You well, know? my
1: favorite is when you flip your cards over and go, I didn't pick that island. I know, right. Like, <laughs> right. You that's picked the kind wrong of, that, that's kind right, of right. crucial to know which <laughs> yeah. island you're going for. You yeah, know? exactly,
0: so. exactly. So there's all kinds of like uh, things that can kind of get in your head. You know. Yeah. So it's a light game, I would say. To me, it's an easy game to learn. It's a pretty easy game to teach. Um, it's not like challenging mechanically, but those decisions yeah. and the planning. Is really, really difficult, and I think what really totally saves this game uh, and turns it from something that could have been just a, a terrible slog fest into something that I really enjoy and, and makes it a good game is the fact that all of that planning that's all done simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you have to wait for me to plan, and then you plan, and then you know Carter plans and Joan. we're all doing it at the same time. And so everybody is deep in thought. Everybody's kind of immersed. I mean, you might finish a, a you know, uh, I don't know, like a few seconds or maybe a minute before everybody else. But you're not really waiting long, you know, because you're really thinking about what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of almost hoping you can get a sense of how many cards they're going to play. You know, you're like, I wonder, she's kind of putting those cards down. She's like filtering through them and she's putting those flat down. I don't think she's going to play those. And, you know. Yeah. yeah. So you're kind of trying to gather intel, you know? (laughs) So you're, like, totally engaged the whole time. And then there's that big reveal. And that reveal is where, like, the moaning and the groaning begins. Right.
1: right? Doesn't end there
0: doesn't end there but it begins there and so to me that's really the only kind of caveat about this game is the fact that i really enjoy it i think it's a a good economic game it has some novel mechanics with the card selection and uh, the initiative order thing all the things we've talked about but it can be a game where you can be completely hosed and so if you're the kind of person that doesn't like that kind of interaction or that doesn't like that risk management kind of aspect of the game where it's like, okay, if I play one more card, I might be able to get a super turn like you were talking about earlier. Yep. But I might also completely get trashed, right? So if you're risk averse um, or if you're the kind of person that doesn't like that kind of sudden turn of events, this might turn you off a little bit. Because it can feel and become downright mean, mm-hmm. um, if you're the kind of person that you know likes that kind of thing and likes that challenge, then this game will be like right up your alley. So uh, I, I've I've enjoyed this one thoroughly. Um, I was thinking, Lloyd, before I ask you for your final thoughts about this game, whether or not Carter would want to kind of share a little bit about what he might think of the game, because he's actually played with us uh, quite a bit. So, um, Carter, I'm going to ask you to take the third chair here for a minute. And um, can you tell people you know, what your thoughts are about West of Africa? What have you thought about that game?
2: First thing I have to say, I took four training sessions Mom took one.
0: Okay, all right. So that was you who totally yes. hosed me. Okay, You
2: you yelled at me a lot there.
0: <gasps> <laughs> I'm not above yelling at you. I, I, I'll admit that. I'll admit that. In a game, I've pushed him. I've almost <laughs> pushed him off the chair. I've been like, you little, you know, just give him like a little shove. You know, just a I little bit. I think
2: I actually fell off the chair once, so I think <laughs> that was kind of my fault.
0: <laughs> So anyway, what, what do you think about the game? I mean, you've played this with me. You've played it uh, three-player, two-player, four-player. Uh, I think you played it at every player count except five. So what, what did you think about it?
2: What I like about the game is the fact that you can kind of move your goods using your ship icon. Mm-hmm. Your ship icon is naturally worth two. And when you move, the maximum of goods you can move is three. When you move three goods with your ship, that's about five influence that you're moving with your ship hmm So let's say you have absolutely no influence on this island, you have a bunch of money, though you want to buy some real estate on there. Right. You can always just take your ship and your goods and just move it right there, and then buy the real estate. And it can also completely mess someone else up, too.
0: That's true. That's true. So, yeah, that kind of mobile influence, yeah, it's kind of an interesting idea. You know, it's almost... Uh, I'm trying to think of another area majority game where you can kind of move your influence like that. But yeah, and and, and I mean the the really sweet spot is when you can do that moving your goods to a different island and then you also boot somebody else's ship out of that island like you did to mom in that game that we were playing, right?
2: Speaking of that... You can also boot someone's ship who has influence on that island. Let's say they have a bunch of cubes on their ship. You can also boot that out and just get rid of their influence.
0: That's true. Although when their ship comes into port, they, they, they can unload it in the warehouse.
2: Sure. So you can
0: move their ship, but you can't move their goods, right? And that's
2: still two influence gone and two mm-hmm. influence towards you.
0: Right. Well, so it's, it's, it's kind
2: of like a majority gain of four.
0: Well, it's a it's a swamp of 4. But yeah, what sure. you're describing, what what you did was when you moved your ship in, which is worth 2 with three goods, right? And Mommy had two goods plus the ship for a total influence of 4. Two goods in the warehouse, right? But you booted her ship out. So her influence drops from 4 to 2 and your influence goes from 0 to 5. So all of a sudden, you kind of seize control of that island, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it can mess someone up and also give you an advantage.
0: That's true. That's true. So, did you like the kind of like meanness of the game, or did you sometimes feel like uh, you were frustrated? How, how did you feel as like a younger player?
2: Um, I felt like I I liked the f- the feature of being able to beat other people up. You like. <laughs>
0: of beating other people up. Okay, so you like that you didn't mind when you got slapped around a little bit in the game?
2: Yes, because I slapped them much more.
0: I see, I see. So as long as you can be the one to abuse people more, you're okay?
2: Yes, and it
0: works. It does, it does work, it does. Being mean does work in this game. So, well, thank you, Carter, for uh, sharing your thoughts about that one. And we look forward to talking to you uh, in the next segment we're going to do about City of Iron, yeah? Yeah. All right. Well, Lloyd, um, as Carter kind of uh, uh, leaves third chair here for a second, before we wrap this up, I want to ask you what your thoughts are about player count. Because we did. We played this with five, four, three, and 2. So what are your impressions about what's the best player count for this?
1: I want to say probably my favorite player count for this is going to be either 3 or 4. Because uh, the board does not really change size. No. The only thing that changes is the number of ports in, yep. like, one or two of the key inside types of islands. And other than that, everything about the board is the same.
0: Well, but there's also uh, building spots, right? Oh, and there's
1: building spots yeah, as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. So, But as, as far as, you know, your ship is still going to have to move across yeah. that whole board. Mm-hmm, and it can mm-hmm. only move, I think, up to three ports with that
0: card. I think it's either yeah, it's either three or four. I don't have the rules in front of and me. And then you're, I know it's three goods, yeah. but I think the ship might be able to move four. I, I don't know. I'm and to your remember. workers only have X amount
1: of movement points spread out between them, yep. whether it's three yep. or four. So from that standpoint, you know your cards are always going to do the same thing. I like three and four players a lot better, probably even four the most, because there's so much more blocking. There's so much more area control that you have to think about whereas with two players it's very wide open yeah yeah and it's like i can be on this side of the board and you can be on this side of the board and if you want to come over and mess with me sure but it's not there's always somewhere you else you can go there's always yeah. somewhere else you can go the
0: game really becomes in a two-player game it really becomes down to who gets the cheapest real estate
1: it really does yeah
0: you know and so you know in the early game everybody's going to produce resources on you know the uh, i guess that would be the uh, eastern islands. And then everyone's going to try to move them to the western islands, uh, because the price of the goods gets better the further away from the production islands you get. I mean, of course, you're not going to make much money selling bananas. Uh, not that you, not that they sell bananas, but it's not. It's not like You're not going to make much money selling sugarcane on an island that makes the sugarcane. Right. You're going to make the money selling the sugarcane on an island that doesn't make the sugarcane. Right. So you're going to make the most money. And so, the, you know, it kind of becomes this, this sort of race to who gets the cheapest real estate. But in a three- or four-player game, you know, you really have more blocking and more complexity in the interactions between the players. The five-player game I enjoyed a lot, too, but it was chaotic. It was crazy. Like, there was almost no way for me to predict what people were going to do because there was too much going on, you know? Yeah. And so... Because the game is so short, I didn't care about that, but from trying to approach the game from a serious standpoint, like as as more of a gamer's game, I really liked it with 3 and 4 as well, and and I would say the two-player was fun, but a little too wide open, and I wasn't as happy with it as a two-player game as I was at the 3 and 4, so I'm afraid I have to agree with you there. You're um, afraid
1: you have to agree with me?
0: I'm afraid I have to agree with you. Well, it doesn't always make for an exciting review when we agree with everything the other person says, you well, know? Well, then
1: just wait till City of Iron.
0: Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, all right. So, we're all set there. So, anyway, uh, overall, what would you say? Is this uh, 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 on your awesome scale of five thumbs <laughs> that you christened last well, <laughs> episode? How many of the five thumbs did you Well, no, you wait. Let's have? see. So,
1: if, if Sugarcane... Is like a one, uh-huh. and uh, barrels of grapes are like a five. Uh-huh. Then I would give this wheat. You would give this it wheat. I don't. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> That's okay. It no, no, no. that was but totally unhelpful. Thank it you. It was very unhelpful. <laughs> it was very
0: unhelpful. Well, I would say on a more reasonable scale of one to ten, uh, not totally not involved, reasonable. not involved with thumbs or obscure. <laughs> obscure farming products um i'm gonna say i I think this game is is probably like around that 7.5 for me um when i first started playing it was kind of close to an eight um because of the playtime i love the playtime i love the fact that i could sit down and play this game in a short reasonable period of time and so that kind of had it like about an eight but I've played it quite a lot now and it's settled down a little bit. It's simmered down, you know, simmered down. Now It's simmered down down a little bit from that. So I'd probably give this one a seven and a half, right? So it's not the dreaded seven that I'm always talking about. It's a little bit above that. Um, And and I think it's one that's going to stay in my collection for a little while because I do enjoy playing it. So I would definitely say um, this is one that I like. I would recommend it to people as long as you can deal with the nastiness. So, um, with that uh, being said, I'm going to say uh, that's it for our thoughts for this uh, fun new title from ADC Blackfire, West of Africa. So the next title that we're going to be reviewing tonight is a game from Red Raven Games. And this is one by Ryan LeCout, And it is called City of Iron. Now, Uh, This is not an entirely new game. This game came out a while ago, as a matter of fact, and it was kind of given a second edition just recently by Red Raven Games. Uh, It originally came out in, looks like, 2013, and so the second edition has come out now in 2016. And it's my understanding that the second edition, I I never played the first edition, um, was kind of to clean up a little bit uh, some of the rules and and some of the... Um, mechanisms of the game kind of make it a little bit more smooth um, and, and things of that nature. But having not played the first edition, I really can't comment too much about that. Uh, it's kind of reminds me of the Stronghold, you know, review where it's like I never played the first edition of Stronghold, so I'm kind of basing most of what I have to say uh, on the second edition. So, uh, this is a game that is for two to four players, it is currently rated a 7.9, uh, very respectable um especially for a second edition kind of a a reprint if you will um and it's uh, listed about 120 minutes i would say it's less than that I, i don't find that the game takes quite that long to play especially once you know it um and in this game um boy like so many of ryan's games i don't know exactly how to classify it um whether you're kind of like city building it kind of feels like a city building game Uh, but each player is kind of supposed to be a race okay Uh, a group of people so you know you have the the scientists and you have uh, the the sort of toad engineers you know I like them the toads right Uh, you have like the pig people right (laughs) Um, and, uh, another, uh, a group of humans as well. You have the
2: albinos. They all have white hair. That's that's
0: the sign, right? Those are the scientists, right? The, the, the white hair is the white player basically, right? Um, because you have a, a white player, a red player, a green player, and a, uh, I forget what color the pigs are, but anyway. Um I digress. So each of the players is going to represent a different race and uh you start off with like a homeland and you have the ability to build basically five buildings, like five different things in your homeland. Um and that's like what you have the population for. That's what they kind of call it, is your population. And the buildings that you can build are basically going to give you in-game effects. They're going to give you uh, extra card draws at the end of every round, or rather at the the start of every round. Um, They're going to give you uh, maybe extra income. They're going to produce goods uh, that are going to be important for you as the game goes on. Um, They They might might give give you you books. They might give you books. You get some book learning. They might
2: give you a special ability.
0: They could give you a special ability. There's all these cool kinds of effects. And so um, what you're doing in the course of the game is you're trying to build up your little empire to be the best, to be the most influential, right? To have the most prestige, whatever it is you want to call it. You want to get the most victory points (laughs) That's the bottom line, okay? And so... The game is going to proceed through, uh, I think it's like seven turns. Yeah. And so you're basic and you're doing three actions per turn. So at its most basic level, you're going to do 21 things in that game. Uh, And that's it. Now, trying to sort of get enough money, gain enough knowledge to build buildings to research other technologies and cards and whatnot to improve your abilities and then continue to sort of build an engine towards empire greatness is really kind of the subject of the game. And the game accomplishes this in in a few different ways. But the core of the game is it's kind of a deck builder.
1: It's a very interesting way of doing a it deck is. builder. Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah. So it kind of reminds me a little bit of A Few Acres of Snow. I don't know whether Ryan actually kind of borrowed anything, um, and, and I'm not saying in a bad way. I mean, designers, you know, area control is area control. You know, um, you know, deck building at this point is kind of deck building. You know, you might give a tip of the hat to Magic, Richard Garfield. You might give a tip of the hat to Donald Vaccarino. But at this point, deck building is deck building, right? Um but, but what he did was very interesting with this. So you, you have two different decks of cards. One of them is your civil cards, okay, and the other are your military cards. Mm-hmm. And you start off with two cards from your civil deck and two cards from your military deck, and that is your deck. You have a deck of four cards, right. okay? The rest of the cards, like, like Wallace's A Few Acres of Snow, are kind of off to the side. They're in what's called your buy pool And so these are all the other cards in the game that you can purchase other than buildings, okay, and land. These are all the other cards that are going to help you build more buildings and gain more land and produce more resources and get more victory points and, as Carter said, get more special abilities. But you have to purchase them as the game goes on. And so at the start of the game, you have four cards. You basically get to do three things You're going to try and make a little bit of cash, and then you're immediately, at the end of the first round, you're going to be starting to draft new cards. You're going to be buying new cards from your deck. The decks are very symmetrical for the most part, but there are some tweaks that kind of make each deck slightly different and give it a little bit of a unique feel. Uh, the, the white player, um, you know, the scientists are that they have more cards that are going to let you do more things with knowledge books, either acquiring books of knowledge or selling books of knowledge, all of these different kinds of things, right? Um, you know, the, the, the uh, hog player is going to play slightly differently. Uh, they seem to be a little bit stronger, perhaps militarily than, um, you know, the scientist's, you know, player. And, And so each of the decks does have some differences and some differentiation, but a lot of the cards are going to be roughly the same, okay? And what makes the game super interesting, at least for me, is the idea that every time you are buying a card, you are making perhaps a unique deck, a unique combination. You're looking for card combos. If you like card combos, this is definitely a game for you because there are cards in each of these decks and they're sizable decks. How many cards did you say in each deck card Carter? What would you say? Like 20, 30?
2: No, I think less. Like I would say 15 to 18.
0: 15 to 18. I don't know exactly how many cards, but so you're thinking like 15 in in each deck, so maybe like a total of 30 cards. That might yeah, he could totally. be right. Yeah, somewhere about there. He could be right. And so You know, when you look through these decks and as the game unfolds, there are going to be certain games where certain cards are going to be like really important to you. And then you'll ignore cards for games at a time until a situation arises and you're like, wait a minute, this card could be really useful in this situation. And that kind of allows you to kind of think about the game in a whole different way. And so um, that's kind of the the crux of, of the sort of mechanics of the game. Now, the goal of the game has almost everything to do with these goods. There are these kind of tracks at the top of the board. They look like dials. The art, of course, is beautiful. The board is beautiful. The components are stunning. The conceptual art of these distant lands, and there's like floating islands in oh, the they're sky. Oh, yeah. Just fantastic stuff, um, as you've kind of come to expect from, from Ryan's work, and... So there's these tracks at the top that are all these different goods. So there's, like, these little weird, like, cow-looking things. They look like Scottish muckle coos or something, you know, <laughs> like these kind of weird horned cows. And then yeah. There's, there's like, pink, turnips. pink moss. Oh, pink moss. Pink moss. The pink yes, moss. there's pink moss, which is apparently all the rage. And there's turnips. turnips. Turnips are a big deal. Apparently you can make, like, turnip beer or something and... You can you know get a lot of victory points. I might that have way. had the brewery. That I think you time. had the brewery, or the right? Distillery, they call uh, it. Out yeah. of turnips, yeah. yeah. what you're supposed to make out of turnips. Mm. Um, uh, you know, and then there's like uh, uh, gears, which represents, I guess, like machinery and, and things like that. And then there's tentacles, because <laughs> <laughs> everybody needs tentacles. I think and it then, kind
2: of Waffle's ends, kind of like, kind of a. Like what most people consider, like, the deceased head of an animal in the wall. Kind of just for show. like
0: kind of. <laughs> It's like a trophy animal, right? It's the tentacles, right? So somebody released the kraken and then right. it died. Um, and then there were demons in a bottle? Demons in a bottle are cool. Like So apparently, like, this world that Ryan's kind of, like, envisioned, like, you know, power comes from demons in a jar, right? <laughs> they, like, kind of provide you with power. And so there's all these different tracks. And so what's going to happen is... Um at the end of every round, you're gonna you're gonna get to do three actions, and those actions could be building a card from a central display that you want to add to your city, and that card might give you three of the cows, or it could give you two pink moss or or whatever. It might be an academy that gives you a book of knowledge every round. A lot of the really good cards that are in your decks and uh good building cards later in the game require book knowledge, right? Yeah. And so, you know, b- books become very important and how to get books and all that kind of fun stuff, right? So you kind of have that to kind of uh, look forward to. Um, and, and so you, you, you have this area of the board, but then you also have money, which is very difficult to come by. And so you have to balance all of these things, like the cards I want to buy with uh, the money that I'm generating, the knowledge that I have, how do I want to spend those resources? At the end of every round, after you've done three things... Um, you know, where you're either building, or you're researching, or you are attempting to conquer a helpless village. Don't know why <laughs> <laughs> you're going to take over a little village so you can get yourself some some pink moss or. Tentacles. And there's no
2: diplomatic way of taking over. The no, village.
0: no, no. You just have to. You have <laughs> to have enough guns. Is basically, because military strength is represented by guns, very yep. simple.
2: They're not represented technically by guns. They're represented what looks like a target sign.
0: It does. It looks like a big old target, right? So uh, that's it. That's the distance marker, right? Yeah, we got to talk about that too. And so. Um, you, you, might, you might do that. You uh, could just simply uh, take money. You could just take a buck. Um, you, know, you could then do what's called take an expert action. Expert actions have everything to do with the cards, and that's where you can play a card out of your hand, and you can activate an ability at the top of the card. The abilities at the top of the cards are either free actions, which means they don't count as one of your three actions, which is awesome sauce. You're looking for a lot of those if you can get them. Or they're going to tell you, well, if you discard other cards from your hand that have certain symbols, it's going to activate this effect, right? So I might take like an explorer who's going to help me find new land so that I can build more buildings and get more population, But I have to discard cards that have like a little compass symbol on them, which represents travel and distance. And I have to discard cards perhaps with a certain type of transportation. I might need a ship. I might need a, a dirigible. Some sort of zeppelin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and then there are other cards. Like if they're the little town cards, I might need guns to kind of go in there and sort of like intimidate them. There's a new sheriff in town, right? Yeah. And then they kind of come over to your side. Um, and so these are all the kind of actions that you can take. And then when you're done with those actions, you're going to take your income. And your income is going to be based on the cards that you've built. Your sort of base income, and then you're going to look at those goods tracks, and you're going to see, okay, who is producing the most of each of these types of goods, and you're going to get a payout of cash in those, right? Then there's also certain rounds, uh, I think it's 3, 5, and 7, where you're going to be scoring, and then there's also victory points that are associated, so you're not just going to be getting coins from those goods tracks, you're also going to be getting victory points for whoever is in you know, first position or second position, uh, and then you're also going to be looking at the possibility of gaining bonus points if you get far enough along on some of these tracks. So what we're kind of describing here is very Euroish, right? It's definitely a Euro game.
1: And that was my first impression yeah, from yeah. the moment I played it. I'm like, this is the most Euro game that Ryan has created thus far because I played it and I'm like, wow, I'm doing this to get this, to make an economy based around this, to allow me to do this. So it just It felt very Euro to me. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So, um, But it's got this kind of beautiful kind of art and kind of conceptual sort of framework of these distant lands and different places. And so that kind of comes through, uh, and and it really is is quite a lot of fun. Um, Carter, you've played this with me quite a bit. Um, We've played this two-player. Quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. We've played this uh, two-player quite a bit. Uh, we played a three-player, um, and I think you played it with us four-player once. Um, what what were, what were your thoughts about this game? What what did you notice about it? What did you like about it? Um, what can you tell us?
2: Well, I liked one of the special abilities in the cards because sometimes, like, I always got this one card that said, "Pretty much buildings costs one less." Yes. Because I never could... The scientists weren't really a race that would get you much money. Right. So I kind of needed that card since I had no money, like, most of the time. So I got that card the false thing. Right. Then I would use that to buy buildings. Mostly books.
0: Yes, yes. Mostly books. Gotta have the books, right? Gotta yeah, have the books. You were also a big fan, weren't you, of the uh, Imperial City, right? Like, of, of taking that card that lets you flip your capital to the Imperial side, yeah?
2: Yeah, it... It, it basically makes so you don't have to explore more land so quickly. It gives you more people, and I think it gives you more of a base income.
0: Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. you end up getting to draw more cards. I think you get to draw like two civil cards instead of just one, right? So those card draws that you get um, when you're in that kind of cleanup phase as you prepare for the next round are really important because the more cards you draw into your hand, the quicker you cycle through your deck, And the faster you cycle through your deck, the more options you have um, to repeat these kind of powerful effects. And the more cards you can get in your hand, the more options you have as far as things that you can do, right? Yep. So, you know, the the game really kind of offers up these interesting kind of uh, challenges as you try to decide what cards to pick. Like Carter had some that he consistently was picking, and was using to kind of fuel his engine. Uh, I had some that I was consistently using, you know, to to kind of go for mine. Um, one of the other things uh, that I noticed, too, about the game um, was the, the, the idea of how the discard pile works. Do you want to talk a little bit, Carter, about how that discard works when you play your cards?
2: Sure. So when you place your cards, you place them in a certain order. So the discard can basically kind of... Make it so you have the right cards when you need them. And the thing about the discard is you kind of flip it upside down. Right. So kind of the first card you discard is the card that you'll first gets. So you might want to take an action first so you can then get it first again. And then repetitively do that action first and first and first and first.
0: Right, right. And that was one of the things that I thought, Lloyd, was most interesting. Like if I had to identify... One thing that I found most interesting about this game was exactly what Carter was talking about, which is as you play your cards for their effects or to do whatever you're going to do, when you discard them, you choose the order in which you want to discard them. But then when you're going to draw a card from that deck, if the deck is empty, you take the discard pile and unlike Dominion, you don't shuffle. You just flip them. You just flip them. And then that becomes your new draw pile. And the thing that I really liked about that is what Carter was talking about, which is if you're careful about how you discard, you can plan kind of future actions by seeding your discard pile Mm -hmm. with the cards that you need in the correct order in order to pull off this cool you know, combo effect that you're going to try to duplicate many times during the game. Would you agree with that? Oh, totally. And that's actually one of the few things in the game that,
1: I can appreciate the way it works, but it it actually kind of takes a little something away from the idea of a deck builder for me. Because any other deck builder I've played, yes, you you shuffle your cards and you're drawing at random. And I kind of like the idea of I'm not quite sure what I'm going to get when I make my draw. I enjoy Mm. that because it kind of keeps me on my toes. It keeps me thinking. Um, With this game, one of the things that kind of brings it down a little bit for me is the fact that it can just turn into this very mechanical, I know I'm going to draw these cards, and I know I'm going to do this with them. And yes, I've built up this engine, Mm -hmm. but I'm just going to do the engine over and over again as long as I can until the game is over.
2: Yeah. I would disagree with you on that, because the thing I one thing I don't like about deck builders is sometimes you're just constantly buying the same card to try to get an appeal in your deck more.
0: That's true. That's true. So rather and and, and that's also true at this game is that there's only generally one copy of each card. Yep. That's it. And so rather than buying multiple copies, hoping to get that card into your hand more often, or hoping that that card comes into your hand at the same time as other cards that you need to make it work. Here, you're kind of guaranteeing it. But you're kind of viewing that almost as a flaw. And Carter and I, it sounds like, are viewing it as a feature a little bit. Like, we like that, that you can kind of plan that out. But you you found that that wasn't something you liked?
1: I, I wouldn't say it was a flaw, but it it doesn't make it feel as much as a deck builder to me. It feels more like I'm I'm just creating a program. And oh, I'm not okay. really creating a deck that i 'm shuffling and drawing from and trying to be reactive based on how I draw my cards i 'm creating a program and as I discard these cards I know the order they 're going to be in when I draw them
0: right so i 'm kind of following the program i 've already set up that 's a really interesting way of looking at it I, I totally disagree with you but I totally get what you 're saying like I, I I get that idea. It does kind of feel like you're programming. Mm-hmm.
2: Though you also sometimes might have to adapt. Because let's say you're playing your whole entire deck around this one card that you're going to take. Someone else takes it.
0: <laughs> That's true. That's true. I've done that to you. Yes, yes you've yes.
2: done it multiple times. You know what I've done? <laughs> I've tried to push you. I
0: know, I know. You're you can't like, push me. No, succeed. you can't push me. No, you can't succeed at that. You can't succeed. I'm too big. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and I kind of get what you're saying about the programming nature. So I, I can see that might feel a little less dynamic to you whereas to me i kind of like i appreciate that idea of building an engine and then letting it run and i also agree with carter it doesn't always go exactly as you plan you know oh sure yeah you know there are there are things that can disrupt that plan or or things that you can misplan you know i remember one game early on i had uh uh, made this great plan to get this awesome building card and then when i went to go buy it i realized oh my god it's got a palm tree icon on it and i don't have any palm trees now for people who are listening who are like why is he talking about palm trees all of a sudden um, <laughs>
2: well we went to a tropical forest that
0: would be nice wouldn't it i, I could use going to a tropical forest right about now yeah. with 18 and a half days left to school but anyway um, each of your strips, uh, your strips, each of your pieces of land, you start with one and then you can acquire more land through exploration. But each of those pieces of land has icons on the bottom. Uh, that could be mountains, hills, forests, um, you know, marsh or grasslands or, or whatever. And, uh, the cards that you build, the sort of buildings that you build, not the cards you, you put into your, your hand from your deck. But the car the buildings that you 're buying to expand your cities to get the production of these resources to uh, get the special abilities carter 's talking about they have a, a often a little resource icon next to them that tells you the type of land that you have to have available if you don 't have that type of land available, guess what you can 't build that card and I remember you know that messing me up several times, you know thinking like I was all set and ready to go, and then realizing, oh man, I, I completely missed something so. There's a lot of cerebral stuff with this game that I really enjoy, that kind of layers of planning that I dig. Um, so the, the only kind of downside that I have for this game and, and it's a minor one for me, but it's one that's there. And it, it's also it's hard to say it's a downside. Again, is it a feature or is it a flaw? It really depends on your opinion. Um, the, the resource tracks are like everything. They, they really are everything. Mm-hmm. If you can get into a lot of those resource tracks, um, the more the merrier. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even necessarily mean it, it matter so much if you're in first place in all of them. As long as you're on them, you are going to be in this game. But if you let one of the players get on three or four of these resource tracks and you are on like one you are going to be quickly left behind in the dust when those scoring rounds come. Would you agree with that, Carter?
2: Yeah, I think there should be some sort of catch-up mechanism, kind of, to, like, catch-up on the resource tracks, like, some sort of like reward for not being on the resource track, <laughs> maybe like a call that says for every resource track you're not
0: on." Yeah, yeah, something like that, right? Yeah. So um, you're rewarded for yeah not for monopoly these or goods. yeah like you know, you not know, being what? in a diversified economy. But the bottom line is, is is so many of the victory points and so much of the money comes from being on those tracks that if you're not on multiple tracks, you are probably going to lose. And so I I can see that like I know when when my wife played it with us, that was a source of frustration for her. She really uh, kind of felt like she was locked out. But it it wasn't so much as she was locked out. She just kind of I don't think she understood the importance of it in game terms, even though I said you want to be here as mm-hmm. many of these as you can get. Um. And it can also be costly to get on all of them. Like, you know, some of the the resource tracks all the way towards the end of the board on the right-hand side are difficult to get into. Um, You know, some of them are never occupied. Uh, It all depends on the cards that come out. Uh, But, you know, to to kind of speak to what you're talking about, Carter, you know, there are certain resource cards that um, can only be built in certain locations. There are certain resource cards... That you might kind of get locked out of because people take them. One of the things you can do is one of your actions is reserve a card. Uh, again, kind of like a few acres of snow when you could you could reserve a card. Um, and and the problem with that is a experienced player in my opinion in this game is going to destroy a first time player. And that again it's that feature flaw thing to me. I've really enjoyed the fact that every time I play this game, I feel like I get better. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. I understand it more. I feel like I, I have a better long-term strategy. Like, there's definitely long-term planning in this game without a doubt. After you've played it once or twice, you start to see the things that you need to do to get that economy going, to make it possible that you can get on some of those larger resource tracks at the end of the game. Uh, not larger, but more valuable ones at the end of the game. And so, there is definitely uh, um, an aspect of this game rewarding repeated play. Like, you get better the more you play. But, uh, the flip side of that is what I just said. Like, if you play with somebody new, you're going to trounce them. Would you guys agree with that?
2: Yeah, you're gonna just kind of destroy them. Wait, I remember you went and played with someone else yeah. other than other than me. Your your lovable son. Your but, lovable um, son, yes. But you went and played with someone else, and when you came back and played with me the next time, I lost the game completely. Yes,
0: yes, I kind of stomped all over you, yeah. And uh, but but you you know you learn from that. Yes, I. Won. And then the next time, you know, he was very competitive with me, and we destroyed Joanna. You know, uh, yeah. So it's kind of one of those things where I almost feel like like a few acres of snow. You know, um I keep bringing that up because I think it's a it's an apt kind of comparison. A few acres of snow, two players of equal experience are going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be very tight, very competitive. If you play a few acres of snow with someone who's never played before, you're going to destroy them. It's kind of the same sort of idea of kind of knowing what the objectives are, knowing where the important points on the board are, knowing the you know the, the cards that you 're going to need, so to me, I find that like really enjoyable it 's a learning process and and that 's the kind of thing that I really like i I, I like the feeling that i 'm learning something new from the game every time I play it, and I found myself thinking a lot about the game when i wasn 't playing it, which is always a good sign uh, but you know that 's kind of my experience um what What are your overall impressions of the game, Lloyd? I really did actually enjoy it, because when I take a look
1: at it as basically a Euro, just kind of like you're saying, uh, there is a lot of learning that's involved, and the first time I played it, I think in, in your example, you were on almost every one of those resource tracks oh, the yeah. first time I played it with you, yeah. and I was on like three, Right. and you, know, you lapped me I think once, going mm-hmm. around the board or something <laughs> like that, <laughs> yes. it was pretty embarrassing, but it was exactly what I expected it to be because in a game that has so many great decisions, so many different things you can do. I mean, you can center your whole game against just attacking the villages.
2: Yeah, yeah. And sure.
1: attacking other players. Yes, yeah, because you I can mean, you can attack the villages yeah. you can be a very aggressive race. Right. You can you can really do a lot with maybe just a handful of good card combos. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Or you can be, you know, the exploring race and you go out and you get all these wonderful lands and the lands all have some sort of end game bonus on them that, you know, the only player that's going to get that end game bonus is the one that owns that land. Right, right. So there's a lot of really cool things you can do in the game and it does really reward repeated plays. And the more you play it, the more you're going to learn something new that you can do with it. Mm -hmm, And now mm -hmm. when I get to play it, you know, I can actually start to think from the get-go, okay, if I'm playing this race, what do I want to try this time? Right, right. Like, even looking through those decks, now that I'm more familiar with how the cards work and what they are, now I'm exploring and saying, well, maybe I want to try using this card this time. And let's see if this combo works for me. Right. And even though I'm programming, like I use that example, I'm programming maybe what I'm going to be doing for the rest of the game. I, I want to see if that's going to work for me. Yeah. So I do enjoy that much.
0: Yeah. So, Carter, we've talked a lot about things that we like in this game, uh, things that we enjoy. Is there anything about the game that maybe you kind of wish was different or maybe didn't enjoy?
2: Well, one thing I think about the game is it should be a little bit more compact because the game is quite large. And mostly yes, because of the board. Yeah. The board is very large. There's not much on it. There's the tracks, and that's about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I might agree with him on that. I mean, you have the tracks. You have the initiative order and turn order cubes. And then you have like the round cube. And then a lot of beautiful artwork. But not much else. So you think that could have been made a little smaller?
2: Yeah, I think the board is mostly kind of full. like a little bit of a petrol.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. Um, the, the real estate in this game can be a bit of a problem. What, what do you think, Lloyd? Well, I actually liked the fact that
1: it covered an entire table and. I, that was one of the things I liked the most about the game was, as you acquire these new lands, you get these nice, big, long, thick cardboard strips with this great artwork, and then the buildings that you build, you kind of put beneath those lands, so you're almost looking at you know these large portions of the table where like this is what i've built this is what i've become these are the mm-hmm. lands i've explored these are the buildings i've created this is my civilization right. it's not just down to you know i use a cube to mark this spot on my player mat oh that's a whole building woo right, no there's right, there's right. a lot more going on here yeah yeah um and that's actually one of the things i like the most about the game is just at at the end you look at what you've created and the artwork's beautiful it all is. the components it is. are great so they are i didn't really have a problem with the fact that this covered your entire kitchen table when we played it
0: well i had a little bit of a problem with it i agree with carter only because it covered my entire kitchen <laughs> table like my kitchen table is not small i mean it's like what five by three or whatever like it's, it's a standard a good, size, yeah. good size table and you know i had stuff that was always kind of in danger of falling off the edges because <laughs> if you try to put your strips of land out and then your buildings beneath it like yeah
2: I had to put them to the side because I couldn't actually put it beneath it
0: right right because the board was really really big so as much as I love the art as much as I I, you know enjoy all that I kind of have to agree with Carter I I think maybe the board could have been made the central board could have made made a little bit smaller um and, you know, I, I like the player mats and, and all that fun stuff. Like, everything's everything's pretty cool. Um, The, the artwork is great. Uh, the production quality is really, really nice. I can't really compare it to the first edition because I never played it. I didn't have it. But uh, this is definitely a game that I have played a lot of since I've gotten it. Um, And it's one that I really, really have come to enjoy for all of the reasons that we've discussed. So for me... Uh, I I would definitely say this game right now is about an 8 for me. I I really like this one. Um, It's just, I'm always, I'm thinking about it when I'm not playing it. And that to me is one of the great compliments you can give a game. If you can think about a game when you're not playing it and it pops into your head during the day, that must mean it's pretty good, you know. at least in my opinion. There's, there's few games that do that. Like, you know, Pax Perferiana does that. Um, Dominant Species does that. I mean, there are games where I'm thinking about it when I'm not even playing it, you know? Um, and so that, that's one of the things I really like about this. Uh, what would you rate this on a scale of 1 to 10, Carter?
2: Well, I would go avoid here, and I would say Wheat.
0: Wheat, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, for people who didn't hear the previous review, um, yes, Lloyd came up with a new system of rating with grapes, wheat, and sugar cane, Well, this apparently. one will be better then. Okay, go ahead. Tell me this so one. So,
1: if having second place on the turnip track <laughs> is horrible, <laughs> but having first place on the blue crystal track is excellent. Yes. This is the floating lands <laughs> that, that made you just
0: explored. No sense whatsoever.
2: Well, how well, about what I can make a connection to that? Okay. So the floating lands. Most of the group crystal materials require floating lands for the location. So that translates to a ten.
0: Very good. I like that. Good job. Good job. All right. So you heard it right there. Lloyd Keller gives. City of Iron, a 10, floating lands because that's where blue crystals are made. I like that logic. Good job. So that'll about wrap it up for our review for City of Iron by Ryan LeCout, published by Red Raven Games and published in 2016. Well, that's about all the time we have for this episode of Quick Looks. This has been Quick Looks number 16, recorded on May the 3rd of 2016. I, of course, want to thank my co-host Lloyd Keller and our special guest Carter for stopping by to discuss the titles West of Africa and City of Iron. So if you have heard a lot about these games from us today and think you might be interested in acquiring them, why don't you go check out Gamesurplus.com, the sponsor of The Long View and Quick Looks gamesurplus.com is renowned for their selection their customer service their attention to detail and if they don't have a game in stock they'll get it for you lightning quick and get it shipped off to you at a very reasonable price Uh, They always do uh, half-price shipping on orders over a hundred. They really are just one of the the industry standards, I think. They they kind of set the example that uh, everybody wants, which is, I I want my games at a reasonable price. I want great customer service, personal attention. I want uh, attention to detail in packaging and shipping. And so these are all the things that Game Surplus excels at. So if you're looking at buying a game, go check out why Gamesurplus.com is our first choice whenever we're looking for the next great game. I also want to give a shout-out to my local game store, The Gamer's Edge in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. If you're in the northeastern PA region, stop on by. See all that they have to offer. That's a huge selection of games, video games, comic books, cards, games, everything you can possibly imagine they have there. Lots of open table space, conveniently located off of Interstate 80, right on Main Street in Stroudsburg. So if you're in our area, stop on by. And if you do, please be sure to tell them The Long View sent you. So for Lloyd Keller and myself and for Carter, I want to say thanks to everybody out there for listening and have a great night.